from your source for Dean Sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 5th. Uh, Virginia got a nice 42-13 win on Saturday evening. Um, I, want, I almost said afternoon, but that's not true. Um, Saturday night over the Spiders. Uh, we'll talk about that win. We'll preview, obviously, Virginia's game in Bloomington on Saturday night against Indiana. And we'll also have a little fifth side of the ball conversation for you later on uh, in the show. Um, but before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Um, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How are you, my friend? Doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I can hear you loud and clear over here. <laughs> <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Ferber making a joke that I was expecting Dave to make. Uh, we, we've had some technical difficulties tonight, so hopefully we'll get through this without losing one or more of our panelists. Um, so, yeah, UVA opens the season 42-13 over the Spiders. Uh, was one little moment where I uh, got a little sick to my stomach, not going to lie. Um, I don't think I was unlike many people um, in Scott Stadium on Saturday, mainly because I just I, I had this quick vision of my life for the next few months, uh, and I just didn't like it very much at all. It was one, like I said, one big steaming pile of no thanks. Um, but then quickly, Bryce Perkins erased it, and everything was fine. Um, Dave, let's start with you. What what was your sort of takeaway from, from this game? Did it Was it... Was it a significant sort of event for you or the fact that they sort of took care of business? Did Is that really all you needed to see? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. If you lose, it's terrible. If you win, you're expected to. But you know, I think for a program with Virginia, it's, it's step by step. And they won, and they won pretty convincingly. And they did a lot of good things that we didn't see. You know, you're talking about finishing last in the ACC and rushing last year, and they put over 300 in the first time in school history. They had three guys, you know, quarterback over 100, you know, three guys over 100 yards. Um, so despite the little bit of lemon booty that popped up when the after that long pick six that um, Perkins threw, you know, he, he led the team right back, scored, and, and answered early. And even though Richmond did take another lead 10-7, to seven, it, it kind of felt like Virginia had control of the line of scrimmage at that point and – you know, did what they should do against an FCS opponent, which is win, put away, work on some stuff, and and move on to the next game. Yeah, it kind of seemed like to me that if, of all the things you, I mean, like, look, they never let the thing snowball, right? Like it was, uh, it was fine. Um, you know, they they had a a, a hiccup and then they re- rebounded and didn't seem to look back. But I do think that for for Virginia, considering the you know the last few years, hey, ha- having a game where you handle some business and everything is like not dramatic, cool in the game. What about you, Ferber? When you went home Saturday night, what, what were some of your takeaways? Um, or less, maybe, maybe like, do you feel comfortable with what you saw? Or did you do you feel like you still need to see a lot more? Uh, I feel comfortable with what we saw, considering the opponent. Um, I mean, the fact that, like you said, it wasn't that close. Um, after they went up fourteen ten, kind of felt like a new game. Honestly, once they tied the game at seven, like Dave said, I think it kind of felt like a new game. And honestly, that. Even at the time, I kind of thought the the pick was more likely to be an aberration than a bad sign of things to come. Just it was so out of context considering the rest of how the game had gone up to that point. Uh, you know, they forced a three and out, and Richmond never really threatened on that drive. And then they were driving down the field and had a couple big third down conversions, and then that play happened. So you just hope that you don't repeat it. And they did a good job from from there on out of of not turning the ball over and 
Um, I thought the run blocking was good. Uh, I thought they took what was there. Obviously, Bryce showed some explosiveness. I thought some of the designed quarterback keeper option type stuff looked good. Um, there were a few bright spots, obviously, on defense. They they, they uh, held Richmond, I think, to 12 completions on like 29 attempts or something like that, which is awesome. And obviously, Richmond's not a very good running team, so they didn't you know let them get anything going there. And then uh, obviously not allowing a touchdown is great. And then I thought some of the things I saw on special teams were good, too. Uh, but with all that said, I still do need to see more to kind of have a sense of how much this team may have improved, if at all, and uh, how they're going to stack up in ACC play. I, I don't know, you know, when you play these FCS games, one little thing can lead to another thing can lead to another thing, uh, or it could just be a you know complete domination. Um, I think it was pretty much complete domination, uh, but I, I want to see more to kind of feel better about you know, where this team is in the passing game uh, with some of the pass blocking and uh, and then obviously the defensive line, which we kind of thought would be a question mark, but played pretty well against an FCS team. Um, one thing that I want to talk about real quick and, um, you know, realistically, Bryce Perkins had a really nice debut, 293 all purpose, four touchdowns. You can't really ask for a whole lot more, um, you know, from a guy who hadn't played hadn't started uh this was a big moment for him and and i thought his response to uh the the pick six was was especially impressive um one thing i do think though as we look forward is how much of what he does or what he did in that game is sustainable um and dave that's kind of what i want to talk about i i don't want to focus too much specifically on indiana we'll talk about them in a minute but like what what you saw from Bryce in terms of his first game, how would uh, not necessarily how would you grade it, but how would you sort of characterize what you want to see more from him? And do you think that what he put out there is sustainable for them going forward? I'd like to think it's sustainable. It's, you know, I don't think we saw a full offense against Richmond. Um, you know, and then you have to add in the fact that, that Bryce really hasn't played a real college game other than junior college because of injuries and transfer and all that stuff. Um, what I did like was, you know, he's really good with the ball in his hands. He, in the open field, he, he made some great moves. He's got great anticipation. I mean, he made two Richmond guys like bonking each other Keystone cop style. Cause he's got that deceptive long stride speed. Um, what I didn't like is that I thought he was a little quick to get out of the pocket a couple of times, but that looking back, you know, that was at a point in the game where, where Virginia had gotten a pretty comfortable lead. He maybe just didn't want to take the hit. Um, and, and I'm sure it's just trying to get a feel for the game speed and everything else. So I think the running side, it, it's pretty clear. You know, I, I feel a little more comfortable saying that's sustainable because that's kind of a natural instinct for him. Um, the passing game, like, I don't think is as bad as some other people seem to think it was. Um, I thought the, comp, the, the passing game was pretty simple for this, for this, um, for this opponent in Richmond. It's a lot of one-on-one coverage, a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of quick outs. Um, what I was encouraged by was the Dubois touchdown because they they talked about how that was supposed to be a post, and they both recognized the safety was rolling down. They cut it to a slant. He made a nice throw. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to think it's sustainable, Brad, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We, we're going to get tougher opponents you know, as the season goes on, certainly a step up in, in class this year. So. I like the I like the starting point. He got a win, and the other thing he did was really nice. Is when when he made a mistake early, he took the team right down and answered, and he was the one that took the ball in. So, 
he was fun. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the thing for me as I look back on the game and, and sort of as I was rewatching it was it was one of those deals where I, I want to see UVA go down the field more or at least show the ability to do that. But in this game, because of the advantage they had around the line of scrimmage, maybe they didn't need to. And I think as, as we sort of watch this team, I wonder when the game plan calls for them to go downfield, will they be able to? And I think back to that play where he had Kelly wide open on the post and he, and he underthrew it you know, what, seven, six yards, something like that. Um, that's, a, that's a throw he's just got to be able to make um, because with, 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 you're just not going to get that many opportunities to have a guy, um, especially like Kelly, who, you know, he's going to be open, but you have to, you, you're, you're, you're going to have to throw the ball out there and let him go get it. Um, Ferber, I'll, I'll let you wrap up this portion of the show uh, with, with your answer to that sort of question. As we look forward with, with the offense, and so much of what we focused on coming out of the Richmond games is the offense because of the changes and everything, what do you need to see overall, uh, maybe not necessarily just Bryce-related, but in, in general? What do you want to see more of? Is it just you want to see the offense continue to, to be able to grind on the ground, or do you need to see more uh, throwing you know, intermediate or even deep balls? What, 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 what do you think that the next sort of iteration or step for this offense is going forward? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, and like you both said, really, um, the passing game, I think, was sort of vanilla in the fact that, they, you know, they didn't really go deep much. There was a lot of the stuff that we saw last year, almost identical concepts, if not exactly the same as last year with the underneath stuff. And uh, even the touchdown to Zacchaeus was a quick little, you know, slant route that he just went back outside on. Um I think that, you know, this game plan, especially with the ability to run the ball the way they were and, and the defense just giving up nothing really after the uh, first field goal that they allowed, um, you know, maybe they didn't need to push the tempo with the passing game really and, and may, take a bunch of shots down the field. Um, so that area is kind of an incomplete to me right now. Obviously, we saw one deep shot and it was incomplete. Um, so obviously we'll need to, to see, you know, what he has uh, Bryce has, you know, with that ability to go down the field. Um, I'd like to see him be a little bit more accurate in spots. Uh, I mean, obviously, Kurt was pretty accurate um, on a lot of the throws. Uh, his his picks were usually bad decisions, uh, not ac- inaccurate throws. Um, so, I mean, like, the pick was kind of – he didn't really see the underneath linebacker, but there were a couple other throws outside the hashes that were a little off, you know, a little wide. Um so obviously, you know, those, those plays are going to happen, but, you know, you want to clean those up a little bit. Um, you know, we're going to see real quick uh, what he can do through the air because I think that the – I don't think you're going to have a ton of games where he's only going to have to complete 13 passes and they're going to win the game by, you know, multiple scores. It just – they didn't need him to do much more than that through the air, and I thought he – you know, he did execute well after the pick um, as, as best as he could. So um, it was a good first start, and we'll see what he has going forward. Uh, but obviously, you know, they'll probably need to do a little bit better than 54%, 54%, I think it was, through the air and uh, only 180 yards or whatever it was um, against teams like Indiana because I think the margin for error and the amount of third downs that you're going to have to convert, you're going to be forced to pass the ball more. Yeah, that's very true. Um, before we move over to the uh, the Indiana portion of, of the program, I, I do want to take a minute and thank one of our sponsors. Uh, the Caps Corner Podcast, as we talked about last week, is brought to you tonight by Ask Landis, which is a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. They've served Central Virginia for the past 10 years. Owner Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region 
uh, as they move things out of maybe they're cleaning their houses out or their businesses and they maybe just need a chance to need some help to just move from from one place to the other. Um, not only does Ask Landis remove anything that you don't want, but they also recycle whenever possible, which is always great. Um, so maybe you're getting ready to put your house on the market or maybe you just need to help. You know, you need some help from somebody to help clear that garage or that basement out that you've been putting off for, for some time now. Um, whatever that case may be, let Brandon and uh, Stephen do the work for you so uh, you can help to declutter your life. Give the folks at Ask Landis a call today for your free consultation. That's 434-249-8383. Or you can visit asklandis.com for more. And our thanks to Ask Landis for their support of the show and all of CavsCorner.com. So Indiana comes, I guess not Indiana comes to town. Virginia goes to Indiana uh, on, on Saturday night. It should be an interesting sort of test because I think of the three of us, none of us seem real sure what to make of the Hoosiers. Uh, we think Peyton Ramsey's pretty good. We, we think their defense is pretty fast. We also don't know why they didn't beat Florida National more th than they did. They've obviously dealt with some turmoil with the Arizona transfer Brandon Dawkins coming and then losing the quarterback competition and then deciding to leave the school. Uh, they've lost Morgan Ellison, who's been um, suspended indefinitely. Then they lost their, their, their backup turned starting running back to a torn ACL five carries into his game. Uh, last week so it's going to be by committee approach at running back which is apparently what they do uh, in Bloomington uh, Dave let's start with you give me your general sense of of this game and and, and we'll, we'll talk predictions in a minute but in in terms of sort of where you see this matchup and and what's 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 sort of on your mind as you think about this one it's always difficult early in the season because what just happens, we played Indiana last year. So if that's your point of reference, I don't know that the teams are, are close enough to what they were last year to for last year to matter a whole lot, if that makes sense. Um, obviously, Peyton Ramsey played in the game last year, but he was kind of the, you know, he didn't come in until, I want to say, almost the second quarter, late in the first at least. Um, Virginia kind of dogged Indiana, had done a very good job against their starter, um, and Ramsey made some, made some plays and pushed him ahead. But even then, like their final score was thirty-four to seventeen. But you know, Virginia was in that game. I, I want to say Virginia held them like twenty percent from three in, on third down conversions. They only had like four or five third down conversions a whole whole day, and a late punt return touchdown kind of ended it. Um, not that there was a whole lot of hope beforehand, but I, so I, I don't know what to make of Indiana. They they lost a lot on defense. They've got a couple good pieces back, but they, you know they have a quarterback back who, who's got talent you know he, he's a very good thrower of the ball um in the throw game he's pretty good <laughs> and running the ball he's pretty good so i i don't quite know what to make of him though like based on what i saw last year i'd made some assumptions and today i finally got a chance to watch some of their fiu game and their defense seems a little small um yeah there wasn't a whole lot there that that scared me from their from their defensive side of the ball their offense is solid they ramsey's a very good quarterback um yeah, he can make some passes, but I feel like we've we've seen quarterbacks like him before. So it'll be interesting. I don't really know what to make of this game. Like, there's a part of me that thinks Virginia should handle this one pretty comfortably, but there's another part of me that says, "Yeah, we've got question marks too." So um, it's going to be interesting. It, I don't think it's a game Virginia, you need to be worried that Virginia doesn't have a chance in. I'm still a little surprised by the spread on this one. 
Yeah, the spread is the part that's giving me some pause. I'm not going to lie. I, I think Virginia is 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 definitely in the in the in the neighborhood of, of winning this game. I, if the Cavaliers go out there and win by you know seven to ten points, I won't be surprised. If it's more than that, I would be surprised. Um, I, I think that uh, what what they did at Boise State last year um, kind of I don't want to say it rejiggered my um, my um, frame of reference for away games, but it definitely gave me this the sense that. This team can be good away from home. Um, I, I think Bryce Perkins, what he does travels. I, I think that what I what I've seen from Indiana doesn't give me uh, a sense of oh man, this is a buzzsaw that they're walking into. Um, it, the only thing that's really tri- tripping me up is that one, the spread, and then two, that I watched Indiana and Peyton Ramsey basically carve Virginia up last year, and so it's hard for me to sort of divorce in my mind. You know what those two things mean, Ferber. You are typically the the one I count on. I mean, there's a reason you write the preview. Um, you're the one I count on to have a good frame of reference. And and if, judging by your text messages today, you're struggling with this one too. Where where are you at? Right, at least right now, as you sort of look at this thing. Yeah, I mean, this is going into the week. I mean, I've been wrong a plenty of times, but this is probably one of the hardest games that I've had to get a read on. Uh, it just you know. If they were going into a road environment that was like a really difficult place to play, uh, no offense to Indiana or anything like that, but you know it's not like a fortress they have over there. Um, I would I would be a little bit more convinced that it was going to be pretty tough for them to go do it. Um, but you know the, this is one of those games where on the road it, it doesn't feel like a, a stretch that they would go in there and win. To me, I mean, especially. I think they kind of turned the corner a little bit last year on the road. Uh, they definitely had a lot more composure than they've had in years past. Obviously, you know, they won up in Boise. They won in North Carolina. Uh, they played well at Miami for a while there. So, I mean, they did some things on the road that they've had trouble doing in the past. But, um, you know, they're a, they're an interesting team. Uh, like Dave said, their quarterback is pretty decent. Um you know, he didn't throw for a ton of yards against Florida International, but he did score three touchdowns. Obviously, uh, they do have a freshman that kind of played behind him, um, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I don't know how much he'll play on Saturday. I don't know if they're just taking advantage of the redshirt rule or if they're actually trying to work him into the offense. Um, like like you said, Brad, uh, their running back situation is kind of up in the air, but they do have a lot of guys there. Um, so I don't think they're necessarily like totally lost with the two guys that they're missing, but... You know, they do have a couple options, a couple young guys. Uh, they like to throw the ball to them out of the backfield. I really like their offensive line and their receivers. Um, I think that's one of the strengths of the offense, those two groups, probably these strengths. Um, the offensive line, very experienced, very solid. Um, the wide receivers are big and athletic um, and talented. And then the defense, like Dave said, I mean, they lose a lot. You know, UVA lost three starters from last year and bring eight back, um, unless I'm missing somebody. Uh, and they lose eight. So imagine, like, losing – you know, a lot's been said about losing Micah and Quinn and Andrew. Imagine losing those guys and then also losing, like, Juan Thornhill and Brenton Nelson and Ma- Malcolm Cook, you know, like, all in the same offseason. So it's a lot for them to replace. I think that this my, – my one read I do have is I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I think that UVA's defense will do okay against Indiana's offense, but I think at home they'll be able to move the ball a little bit through the air and um, you know make a few things happen. And then also, they uh, they take pride on turnovers. Um, 
that's something that they really try to get out and do. Um, that their goal, they have, they set a goal for three a game, and, and they accomplished that against Florida International. So, um, if Virginia turns the ball over three times, they're going to have trouble, um, you know, with this. So, I think Indiana could get some points off turnovers. Um, hopefully, not too many, but. I think we could have a game that both teams get in the 30s, and I wouldn't be surprised, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, that, that seems about uh, about right. I, I do think it's going to be an offensive sort of show, uh, showdown. I'm really curious to see what Bronco does. I mean, I mentioned this on WINA tonight, but like, of all the things that Bronco Mendenhall could sort of, I don't want to say fess up to or own up to or basically have to, have to sort of um, digest and process about himself, is having a team that was unprepared. Right. And hearing the guys and in Bronco too this week talk about having been unprepared last year for Peyton Ramsey. They put so much of their game plan into Richard Legault. And honestly, that dude would, I mean, like that thing was done. Like if he, they, they had made that change, they were going to get boat raced. And then just as quick as that happened, man, Peyton Ramsey came in the game and everything changed. Um, I, I wonder as they, as they game plan for Peyton specifically, um, given the, the talent in the secondary, given the depth that they have in the defensive backfield, how will they utilize that? Um, what will they do uh, with, you know, considering that they're playing a quarterback this weekend who is very similar to the quarterback they've been playing in the spring and, and, and in fall camp? Um, obviously behind a different offensive line and one with more experience, but it certainly didn't seem like they set the world on fire uh, against FIU either. So I, I just think that it could definitely be a shootout. Um, I'm curious as to how the running back situation will unfold and what that might mean for them. Um, and overall, I, I kind of just think that that if the line wasn't what it was, and if I hadn't watched Peyton Ramsey carve him up last year, I'd be picking UVA to, to win this game. Um, but I, I do think that given sort of where things are, it makes sense to me to, to have the Hoosiers. Let's, let's sort of transition into that prediction portion. Dave, we'll start with you. Uh, in the preseason, which was like seven seconds ago, uh, you had UVA winning this game 21-17. My guess is you probably won a few more points on the board. Ooh, I had a different score, but anyway, you might be right. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn. There's a part of me who like, it feels like if, if Virginia comes out and plays the way they, where they are, I believe they're capable of from the, from the glimpses I saw the other night on offense and defense that Indiana's a team they could they could Boise State. Um, that's going to be a thing now, uh, but but I, but I'm a little reluctant to do it. Vegas gives me hesitation, so I, I'll I'll go to 28-24. But I'm still picking Virginia to win this one. Uh, I'm not quite as down on the field goal situation as some others are. Um, I think we see Mejia. Yeah, of course, I picked 28, so it doesn't make much sense to bring that up. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, I do think Virginia's special teams are, are improved, and Bronco overall's been pretty good the second time he's faced an opponent. So we'll see. I, I would like to 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 uh, ask for your apologies. I mean, ask for your forgiveness. Ask for your apologies. Uh, I can't read my own writing. Yeah, you had 24, 28, 24 in the preseason because I just okay. gave you the I gave you the Ohio score. Uh, Ferber That's in the, the pre- in the preseason. Um, if I'm reading this right, twenty seven, twenty four, Indiana. Um, not to spoil the uh, preview that'll come out on Friday morning, but what what say you now? Yeah, I'm gonna bump it up by a few points. I I kind of agree with Dave actually, um, and it'll probably sound like I'm hedging because I'm I'm gonna pick Indiana, but I do think that there is some Boise State potential in this game, in that maybe we're or I personally are I'm misevaluating Indiana. Um, that is possible. I mean, maybe they're just not as good as I think they are. Um, 
And I don't think they're going to be like a world beater, though. I just think that they're going to be, you know, a bowl-eligible fringe-type team. I know they have a brutal schedule in the Big Ten East. But um, I think they're we, – we, you know, UVA's defensive line was not really tested against Richmond, um, you know, in the run defense area. I mean, they don't run the ball. Um, they, they, you know, they did a couple quarterback keepers at the beginning of the game, but UVA swallowed those up, you know, to their advantage or to their credit. Um, but, you know, like, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do against a big, formidable offensive line. Um, I think that uh, Peyton Ramsey will be used as a runner more than he was against Florida International. Um, he ran the ball eight times for 36 yards, but without charting plays, I don't remember, I don't realize, I don't really know. How many of those were planned runs and how many were scrambles? Because you have to account for usually a few scrambles a game. So um, I do think that we could see him, you know, get out and run a little bit more. He had a 26-yard rushing touchdown last year against UVA on a design pass play that he just took off and ran. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they do in those situations, um, how UVA's offensive line holds up uh, in pass pro, especially in passing downs, and how the passing game does, you know. Uh, we saw some good things, but uh, we're probably going to need to see a little bit more. And we also don't know what either of these teams might have held back in week one. I think it's a little bit more likely that UVA would have held some stuff back than Indiana, considering the caliber of opponent and the fact that Indiana was on the road. Uh, so I think we could see a little bit more Tavares Kelly type stuff that they might have just pulled back after the game got out of hand. And obviously, like we said, they didn't really go deep down the field. And there could be some, you know, some wrinkles in the running game. Uh, I love, you know, me and Brad were talking a lot about the diamond formation uh, that really was working. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to go with Indiana in a close one, 38, uh, 31-28 for now. Uh, wouldn't be surprised either way. I'm just picking them because I think their offensive line could give UVA's defensive line some trouble getting off the field. Um, and I think that, you know, on the road, that's pretty much the tiebreaker. But like Dave said, I do think they're they're getting they're giving a few minutes too many points to UVA should be like three. Yeah. Um, I had UVA winning this 27-24 in the preseason. I'm going to change it, um, but not by much. I still think Virginia scores you know, right about 27, 28 points, but I just wonder at home if that's not the thing that, that kind of carries it. Listen, I'm not saying Virginia won't win the game, and I'm certainly not saying they can't. I'm just saying that the Cavaliers, as of right now, need to do a little bit more for me to feel comfortable about picking them on the road. Now, I understand that in the preseason, which, like I said, was like seven seconds ago, I did. Um, what? So you might ask me what's changed. I, I think that one of the things that I was a little, maybe not necessarily unnerved by, but I didn't necessarily uh, feel as good about with Virginia last week against Richmond was that Kevin Johnson, there was more on the table for the Spiders offensively than, than what they actually cashed in on. And as I look at Peyton Ramsey and I, and I think back to that game, he's a much better version of that sort of player. The offensive line is much better than what Richmond had. And the receivers, while they're not maybe as good, they're still pretty good, right? The, the question mark is in the backfield. Richmond obviously was dealing with, a, with an injury there. Obviously, uh, Indiana is as well. I, I'm, I'm going to go with, um, you know, if I could take the points, and I would, but I, I'll take um, Indiana to win at 31-28. Um, I just feel like it's a close game, and even so, I think that's a good thing for this team. I still think they're going to go and play well. I just don't know on the road if they, you know, have quite enough um, to win. Um, and then before we get into the fifth side of the ball, I just want to ask one other thing um, about this game. What do you think the reception will be like? Let's say Virginia loses and it's close. 
will fans will will the board will will, will f- observers like what do you feel like the feeling will be about this team because that's something I'm I'm really curious to watch this year because we've we talked in the preseason right about the fact that there there's just a whole lot of uncertainty in the coastal division. Um, Virginia seems like a team that could if it if it, if it's just consistent can actually sneak up on people. Um, I, I was a little bit more impressed with Duke. Um, maybe it's physicality than I was expecting to be in week one. Definitely more impressed with Virginia Tech than I was expecting to be in week one. Um, where do you, what if Virginia goes and loses a close game and you know it's not like a colossal you know debacle or anything like that. But like Dave, if Virginia goes and loses a close game, what will that mean to you? Will it be a will it be a sign of of still some semblance of progress, or will you be deeply disappointed? Both. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, fair. The truth. That's fair. I mean, initially disappointed by, and as soon as someone else says something that I'm thinking, I'll come at them because they said it publicly. That's just the way I work. Um, now, I mean, I think it's a little bit hard to say. I mean, it depends on why they lose. If they lose from a you know, if it's a heartbreaking loss or something, you know, if it's a misfilled goal, for instance, or, or you know, or pick six, or or the defense gives up a scramble touchdown to Ramsey late, something that we saw last year, I think that hurts you a little more um, as as a fan saying, hey, we're, we're no no better. Um, I do think for the casual fan though, like losing to Indiana, but let's be honest, the casual fan probably doesn't care that much. They're not coming to the game, so I don't know why I really worry with the, what they think. But Indiana is one of those names like Ohio that, that are decent teams, and losing to them is no shame. It's not like losing to Kansas. No offense, no offense to Kansas. Um, but I think for the guys who don't pay attention to football, guys and gals, it's one of those games you're like, oh, they lost to Indiana. They just, they're not good. Um, so the diehards just not going to matter. We'll be back. That's fair. Um, the reason I bring that up is because, like I said, I'm just really curious about this season because. Your Dave's point earlier, I don't know, one of the times that he talked, and I don't know if it actually made it onto the podcast or not, but he was basically saying that, like, on the pick six, there was this sort of air, and everybody sort of had the same thought. Um, I, I don't think Virginia has to be flawless this year to get support or for folks to feel the momentum and, and feel like, um, you know, things are snowballing and things are going well and there's a, you know, there's a, a sparkle around the team or whatever. Um but I do think that, like, in order for, for fans to, to sort of reach that zen-like place where they, they're just cool with it, you know, like they do need to put some, some wins together or at least look, continue to look, I think, like they did last week, which they just, they didn't make mistakes. And I think that's the thing that really stuck out to me most was that they, they just didn't shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, there was a pick six, but they more than covered for that. And it wasn't like every time you turned around, you know, dudes were making dumb plays. They even had that that onside kick thing where half the, the the line called for the fair catch. They clearly are a different group now than they were, and I think that that should probably sort of matter for something. Um, before we get to the the fifth side of the ball, I did want to read our our, our other uh, ad for the for the night. I want to thank um, Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft for for sponsoring the show again. Uh, Second string is all about offering you new and used um, sports equipment. So if you have, you know, you, let's say your kid plays baseball or softball or football, soccer, uh, second string has all the gear that you need. Um, they got some new bats and gloves, gear from DiMarini, Louisville Slugger, Easton, Rawlings, Wilson, Evo Shield. Um, they're all on the shelves right now. Um, don't go now because Dave will freak out because you broke into his store. Um, but they, look, they're ready to go to the field along with you. So let's say you got something from last season you don't need. 
Uh, maybe you got some gear that your son or daughter is no longer going to be uh, using. Uh, if you bring in your used stuff to, to second string, they'll give you a, a credit towards your next purchase, which is pretty cool. Uh, you can give them a, uh, you can check them out. Uh, second string uh, is in Waynesboro, excuse me, at 2627 Stewart Draft Highway. Or you can go to their website, secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. I can feel Dave over there cringing, and it's great. Uh, first string quality, first string service, second string sports. Our thanks again to second string for their support of the show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, fifth side of the ball. Ferber, you want to introduce it or do you want me to do it? You go ahead. It's not my topic. Yeah, it's, it's definitely mine. Okay, <laughs> so I don't know if anybody out there watched Virginia Tech and Florida State the other night. Um, you all did. Stop lying. I watched Virginia <laughs> Tech and Florida State the other night, and as much as I respect Willie Taggart, I have no idea what his game plan was, but that's not the point. The point is, is that several times during this game, uh, some dude pretended to be hurt. All right. Now we you can't you can't say definitively maybe that this time and that time, but there was at least one where you saw a dude having clearly no issues look to the sideline and immediately go down on the ground. Now I don't know if folks know this or not, but Willie Taggart is known for his tempo, and Florida State wanted to go fast. Virginia Tech did not want them to do that, especially after big gains. So the topic among the three of us that we started to discuss today that we. Uh, we, I decided we would be our fifth side of the ball because Ferber and I disagreed, and I always like it when we try to fight. So what do you do when there's a very a preponderance of doubt or some sort of, I don't know, uh, maybe it's not you're guilty, but it's definitely like we all know the deal, right? What do you do when a team is faking injuries? Now, Bronco Mendenhall, I believe it was on his coach's show, said he, he thinks ejection uh, is the right call. I want to open it up to you guys and see what you think. I think, uh, Dave, we'll start with you because I think Ferber and I are going to probably fight a little bit. Uh, What do you think about this? Uh, Let's take away the tech aspect, right? One, let me just put this out there in the universe. Tech boat raced these dudes, and they still went into this game thinking that they needed to do this stuff to try to have a chance to win. Now, I respect the job that Bud Foster has done at that school. I think he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the history of college football. But that's Bush, Bush League. Right. And the fact that they thought they needed to do that, to me, it, it deteriorates the win just a little bit. They dominated Florida State for most of that game. And yet part of their game plan apparently hinged on the idea that, like, hey, every once in a while we need to pretend like we're hurt because they're going to go fast and we don't want to do that. So anyway, Dave, what are your general thoughts about this sort of uh, soccer like nonsense um, in, in it maybe being a more um, prevalent thing in college football? I would say at the, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but um, the one that got caught on, there was another injury before the one that got caught on camera and they started talking about it. Um, just speaking about that game specifically, that was the point where my wife said she didn't no longer want to watch the game with me. <laughs> As you all are probably aware at this point, I'm married to a Hokie. Watching a game with me, I try to be polite, but I'm watching Virginia Tech win hurts me to my core. So we made it to whatever the time of that the caught on camera fake injury was before we split TVs. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. Like you know, obviously, it's against the you know the gentlemanly code of the game, but it's not illegal. There's not a rule that says you can't fake an injury. Um, it, it, I will say that the two that they did most egregiously were also the two right after Florida State's biggest plays and ended up resulting in Florida State not scoring touchdowns because the guy who faked his injury number 94, I believe it is. He's not on the defensive line to start. You know, 
it's not like to, you know Ricky Walker's out there faking the injury, although he did kind of maybe fake one later. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like we, we started the text thread, I thought one way, and then I started thinking about it after. Like I do think it's bush league, and I understand what Broncos saying, but I, but I think it, it's almost a next game issue, right? Like the 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 whole idea of faking the injury is to stop the momentum. What are you going to do? Leave the guy on the field and keep playing? I mean, as soon as you lay down, even if they determine you're faking, whatever the result's going to be is going to get you your desired result. Like, you know, if you're trying to stop their momentum and you fall down and the ref determines you weren't really injured, they still have to stop the game to determine that, right? So you know, I don't know what the answer is. I, I just think it's Bush League and there needs to be, whether there's like a you know, you know suspension for the following game or more of a detriment in game, like whether it's you have to call a timeout um, for any injury, regardless of the time of game, it, it burns one of your three at timeouts, or the player who's injured needs to stay out until the next series, next time your team, you know, next time your defense is on the field. I don't know what the answer is, but it's certainly Bush League, and it didn't help that it was Tech doing it for me. <laughs> well, I don't think that we necessarily need to know what we should do in the event that it is a thing. I to say that it is a thing. Do you feel me? Like w- just because we don't know what the penalty should be, doesn't mean that we 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 shouldn't be able to say, yeah, like, but yeah, this is a thing that they're doing. Do you feel me? Yeah, but if it, but if you feel, if gentlemanly code, you know, if 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 the knight's way is what you're going for, that's not happening in a sport with bag men around. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, you know, falling guys diving. It's probably not gonna not gonna matter, but you can't find the players like you can in the NFL, yeah, which will keep true. you from doing it. True, but we but we do have penalties for if you target and then you if it's in the yeah. second half you sit out of half. No, you can, um, yeah, exactly. You can do it, but it still does. It still accomplishes what they're trying to accomplish at the time, which is stop the momentum. Right. Um, All right. There just has to be more punishment. Ferber, go ahead. I don't have a different opinion on like whether or not it's like right. <laughs> Obviously, like I'm not pro faking injuries. I just don't know what you could really do about it. Um, and how do you determine a real one from a fake one? Because even like, and I'm not saying they weren't faking injuries. I don't know. Um, I can't prove that they were, and I have no intention of trying. Um, but, you know, a lot of times in real cramp situations, and half the teams in college football run hurry up now. So, you know, the players will look to the sideline. I've seen this happen at UVA games. And then plenty of other games, the player will, you know, there's something wrong with them. They're cramping. They have some kind of ankle injury or something. Um, They will look to the sideline or try to come off the field and the coaches will instruct them to go down because they're not going to be able to get a sub or whatever the reason is. Um, It's just it's the correct way to get the player off the field for safety reasons and all the other stuff. So. I don't even know if you would be able to. So that was the one that was like the egregious one. You know, he looked at the sideline, he went down, right? So even in that situation, I don't know how you can tell that from a real injury. Um, now, I mean, if you look at the replay and the guy is like walking fine, like running, and then he just goes down and fakes an injury, like a flop in soccer or whatever, then maybe you do something retroactively after the fact to the player or something. I don't know. Um, or I, I do like Dave's suggestion. I think that I was that was the only thing I could think of the other day when when it was on the internet was maybe the player just can't come back until the next series or something. So you kind of it's like a deterrent to come off, especially if you're a good player. 
I think my thing is like this. Ferber, you're a baseball guy, right? You, yeah. In in baseball, how do you prove a pitcher hit a guy on purpose? Well, see, they're not always trying to tell if the person hit the guy on purpose. They get warned, and they kind of use like intent and all the other stuff, like if there was something from a previous game or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but it's not an exact science. It's a judgment call. Right. Exactly. It's a judgment call. Now, as I'm aware, we replay every play in in college football. There's a somebody. With a monitor and a little little spinny thing, except in front of for him. that Florida State touchdown, yeah, right. Um, they are, and the, everything gets reviewed, right? And we have we have the capability to be able to look like we, we're humans with brains, right? We can look at a dude and say that's a flop. Like we can watch college and like in in the moment, a, a ref might call it a charge. We watch the replay, like nah, that's a that's a flop. He didn't touch him. No, he didn't. His elbow never touched his chin. Like we have the capability to do this. Like, why did ESPN catch the dude doing what he did? Because they saw it already, and then they were, like, waiting for it. Like, otherwise, that's a very random player to have a camera just fixated on, right? Like, clearly ESPN knew what was happening, and it was happening enough that ESPN was ready for it. Um, the fact that, you know, Ferber's right. A lot of times a player will, will be gimpy, but that dude took two fine steps and immediately fell down as he looked at the sideline. That... There's just no, there's no reasonable explanation for that other than he was, he was, he was told to go down. And yeah. the fact that Justin Fuente gave one of those non-denial denials today that basically said, like, hey, I knew our guys were cramping up. But well, you didn't say you weren't also faking it. And I, I'm not saying that, that, you know, I don't, to Dave said earlier, it's like, oh, well, guys can, you know, maybe, maybe use all your timeouts. No, I don't think you should do that. But, like, we have, we have, we have cameras everywhere, right? Like, we have so many cameras that, like, that Miami and a bunch of other schools like have people who literally stand around the coordinator or the guy signaling and stuff because they don't want people to catch the signs. We should be able to say, like, no, he's not really hurt, right? And if there is some sort of penalty, we can figure that out later. I just think that it's not only is it Bush League, but, like, this, this is, 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 is always sort of maybe been a thing, right? The fact that Tech was as brazen to do it in a spotlight game where they had multiple – like, they didn't just have a game that was on television. This was the only game on television. They had multiple stations, like, multiple channels carrying it, right? Like, they had coaches, like, sit in a room talking about it. Like, I just think that, like, it's, it's reprehensible in the sense of, like, it's something that we can, as, as people who are involved or watch or whatever, like, it's something that can be prevented. And it's, if we can, if we, we can get to the point where, like, we got cameras in the pylons we can we can figure out when a dude's faking an injury you feel me like i just i just don't think it's that hard i think this is actually one of the easiest things to 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 decide yeah well i'm I'm gonna go the other way with this uh, because you know given all the safety stuff going on football now if you start getting penalized for doing what we saw the other night which is look towards the sidelines fall down then coach who wants that to happen simply tells player you know because there's a guy who's designated to look over right so, you know, now instead of looking over blatantly, you're going to, like, hold your head like you got hit funny. And then you're going to, like, try to catch up. You're, you're, they're going to coach him up how to look less suspicious. That's all that's going to happen. Because, trust me, if that guy, instead of looking over the sideline and falling down, grabbing his leg, had, like, stood there and grabbed his head like maybe he, his bell was rung, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Because it would the conversation, we could have thought it. Okay. But because of Fair. all the, the hyper hyper stuff fair so i do think coaches will get away off from it but the thing is like if they're going to fake that i simply think the way to do it is 
if you're not going to do timeouts, probably the easiest way to say is if a player comes off the field for injury, unless you burn a timeout, he is not available to your offense or defense until the next series. Um, but but here's the thing is I don't there are there are legitimate situations where a guy gets hurt and can come back in the game. You know, guy sprains an ankle, he's fine. But but my point of okay, you so you're saying if a dude fakes a hand injury, right, or whatever, and that the but then he's got to go get evaluated for a concussion, so he's not out there anyway. No, like if dude legit gets injured and he's that important to you, but that's what know, I'm saying. Use the timeout, right? <laughs> we need human beings. Like that's the thing that bugs me about sports right now is that there are just a handful of human beings who who could be in a position to like look at some film and be like, yeah, that's a catch. No, that's not a catch. Yeah, that's a charge. That's not a charge. There's too many times where like a human being of sound mind and body could be like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. No, that's not real. Like, and we just don't do it, right? We, we, we got into a point with college basketball. Remember back when there was this whole conversation about like, oh, if you flopped, you were going to get a technical? Like, wh- why doesn't that happen? Like, we're... We're supposed to be right. We're supposed to be instilling that like these, like these bat, these not these aren't the hits we want. This like all we've done with targeting and whatnot is basically sort of make it cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Like it's all crap. Like there's no reason a human being couldn't watch that dude fake his injury and go that dude just faked an injury. There's just no reason for it. But I'm just telling you, like if there's consequence, then dude doesn't fake like that anymore. Right, but my point is, is that like eventually, but like even if you're, even if you get to a place where like it's very clear how they're faking it, like how many times can a then can one guy get his bell rung, pretend like he has a head injury, go over, get evaluated for a concussion, pass the concussion protocol, then go back in the game and get his bell rung, like yeah, but like I said, if he if he's doing that, he's off the field, so at least there's some consequence, you know. I mean, I don't, uh, I'm not trying yeah. to say that like somebody who gets hurt shouldn't be able to come back or that they they should be forced to take timeouts because football's a a physical game, and yeah, dudes get banged up. Like, you know, they do cramp up. They they shouldn't, like, we shouldn't penalize people for being hurt just because other people are trying to bastardize the rule. I'm just saying that, like, as human beings, we can, we can, you can watch a baseball game and you can tell when a pitcher hit a guy on purpose because you know what happened earlier in the game and because you saw the guy throw it. Like, the, there are so many different cues as to why people are doing what they're doing. Guys aren't falling out right after a play that gained two yards. No, no, it's when the when the offense is downfield and they want to take another shot because they've just made you run for 30 yards. Like, that stuff plays a role. And where the guy fell on the field and how he fell and if he looked to the sideline. I understand Dave's point, but, like, at the bottom line is, like, if you have human beings who understand the, the dynamics of the game watching the game, this is not that hard. Like, and the fact that we can't, like, come to, like, some immediate, like, figuring out of like what they should do i mean granted the you know ncaa screws it up all the time but i'm just saying man like i watch that and i'm just like this is ridiculous like i mean it's just ridiculous and i it's not like a thing that i think uh is going to be the end of football i'm just saying like this week it it is something that folks are obviously talking a lot about and maybe maybe there should be something that gets done with it what do you think ferber I mean, it's something that's been going on. I mean, and like, so if you watch Oregon over the last decade or two decades or whatever, this has been a constant thing where people will do this um, to slow them down or whatever. Um, I mean, it's not something, like I said, I can't prove it, but you know, I mean, there's just too many random people falling down, right? Like you said, after big plays and you know, like on the other on the flip side of it, then you have like the Oregon fans booing the player off the field, um, <laughs> which is like, you know, they don't really know if he's hurt or not. Um, 
and then the player runs back out the next play. It happens. It's you know, it's part of the game. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't know how you completely, you know, eliminate it from the game because it is at a sense at odds with the over. You know, I don't want to say overprotection of players, but the conscious movement towards more safety in the right. game, which is necessary. So, I mean, I don't think on one hand you can say like, you know. We take the player's safety, you know, it's the utmost seriousness. Uh, you know, we evaluate every head injury, obviously. Now you have the heat stroke stuff with the unfortunate death of the Maryland player. And then some player comes up cramping or falls down. And, you know, like it's sometimes legit, sometimes maybe not. I don't know if they want to start trying to figure that out. Um, I think that what happened in that game if they were intentionally faking injuries, it's it's not good. I mean, it's definitely like underhanded, but it's not new. Um, it might be new for this league. I mean, and Florida State was going fast. I mean, their tempo was like very, very fast. Unfortunately for them, they couldn't string enough first downs together to make this an issue. Like, because, you know, if Virginia Tech had to fake an injury every fifth play because they were stringing these long drives together, then then obviously it would have been very, very obvious. Um, but that wasn't the case. So I don't know. I don't know what to do about this. I don't I think this will be a thing for two more days and then it'll go away and then we'll hear about it in a few weeks when some other team does it. But <laughs> I, but I mean, and, and that's why we're talking about it. Let's be honest. We're talking about it because it's Tech. Tech. Yeah, yeah. Not, like if this was if this was Maryland playing Texas and Texas was doing it, we wouldn't be talking. Yeah, we about wouldn't it. be talking about. It. That's true. Right. Um, well, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Uh, Want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of the of their time as always. Uh, if you are someone who found the show through the website, um, feel free to give us a review. That always helps more people find the show, which maybe helps them find the website. And if you did find the show and you haven't found the website, give us a look at CapsCorner.com. Ferber writes a lot of words, and um, many of them are good. Um, I write sometimes, too. Um, I edit everything, so if the, you find typos, it's my fault. Um, and I want to thank Ask Landis uh, and uh, Second String Sports for their support of Cavs Corner, as always. So for uh, David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>